Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. Charles Spurgeon said of the psalm, there are four other psalms, each called by the name Tefillah, or prayer. But this deserves to be distinguished from the rest and known as the prayer of David. Even as the 90th psalm is known as the prayer of Moses, it savors of David, the man of sincerity, of ardor, of trials, of faults, and of great heart. He pleads, sobs, and trusts through all the verses of this psalm. Psalm 86, a prayer of David. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For to you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life but they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because of you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. William Plummer says of Psalm 86, How blessed is the thought that in condescension, no less than in majesty, God is infinite. He humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven, but earth is far, far below heaven. When we find him bowing his ear so low as to hear the whisperings and breathings of a pious soul in this world, we should adore him for his condescending greatness. What he is saying here in condescension is God coming down, him leaning, him coming down from the clouds, not in a literal way, but in his closeness, his nearness, his uh, eminence of coming near to where the people of God pray. God is there. That's an amazing prospect that the one who created the universe would care so intimately about his creatures that he would listen to them. God inclines his ear, and he desires to answer. He hears us. It's also important to see how David 
uh, shows himself, how he reveals his own position and his own heart before God. First is poor and needy, this humble aspect of coming into the presence of God. We don't enter haughtily or pridefully, but humbly, saying, God, will you hear me? I have nothing to offer, but I ask that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth, would incline your ear. And so then we also see he approaches him not only humbly, but he approaches him boldly. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Now, when he is saying this, it's not a note of pride to say, hey, look, I have done all these great things, so therefore you should listen to me. No, he is aligning himself with God. Godly in the sense that he is following God himself. He is saying, hear me because I am here on your side. Hear your servant, right? And again, we see the humility. It is not a point of pride, but humility because David is a servant of God. He trusts in God, aligns himself with God. And so when we pray, do we do that? Do we make sure we understand who we are before God? We are humble before him, yet we can enter his presence boldly as servants and even now as saints and sons because of who God is in his, verse 3, graciousness. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all the day. If anything, we can note from David the reality of his persistence in his prayer. And I believe this, among other uh, reasons, are why God calls him a man after his own heart. Because of David's persistence in prayer, he always goes to the Lord with his troubles. He always longs for God to hear him. Uh, Let nothing, says Plummer, however sad or dark, hinder us from crying mightily to God. Calvin says that despair may not overwhelm our minds under our great afflictions. Let us support ourselves from the consideration that the Holy Spirit has dictated this prayer for the poor and afflicted. Let it never be said that we are too far away from God, too poor, too afflicted, too humble, too lowly to be able to come before the throne of grace because we see the reality that God will still hear us and even wants to hear from us. How wonderful is that? And that very reality is what I believe gladdens the soul of David. He prays for that. In chapter 86, verse 4, gladden the soul of your servant for, here's the reason, to you, I lift up my soul. We can imagine that as a picture of us lifting something to God. It is saying, here, here I am in my brokenness, here I am in my need, and I ask for you to help me, for you to lift me up. Boyce comments, to confess that we are poor and needy seems demeaning. To be a servant seems unworthy. We want to be people who deserve something from God because of who we are. And so often we have to kill that monster of pride that still lingers in the dark corners of our hearts. Let's not let it remain. Instead, let's approach God humbly, boldly, but humbly. Morgan comments that the name of God which dominates is Adonai, or Lord, which indicates absolute lordship, and by the use of which the singer shows his sense of submission and loyalty. We see those two attributes, submission and loyalty, combined with humility. What a wonderful state of being to be in. And when the dark clouds of trouble and anxiety start to swirl, when we come before the Lord recognizing who he is, we are able to come with gratitude for God and trust for what he will do. 
He will answer. He will bring about an answer to our pleas because he loves us and he will indeed answer. Spurgeon says that our experience confirms us in the belief that Jehovah, the living God, really does aid those who call upon him. And therefore, we pray and mean to pray, not because we are so fascinated by prayer that for its own sake we would continue in it if it proved to be mere folly and superstition, as vain philosophers assert, but because we really indeed and of truth find it to be a practical and effectual means of obtaining help from God in the hour of need. Do we really believe that prayer works? Do we really believe that God wants to hear from his people and that he will answer his people? I love also in uh, verses 11 and 12 how the psalmist draws our attention to another aspect of walking with God. Starting back in verse 10, For you are great, praising the Lord, do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. Do we pray for God to teach us, to instruct our hearts? And what's the reason? So that we may walk in his truth that he would unite our hearts to fear his name. Uh, Contrary to the double-minded man, the dipsukas, two ways, two paths, we should have united hearts that follow the Lord. Unite our hearts to fear his name. One commentator, Clark, says, Join all the purposes, resolutions, and affectations of my heart together to fear and to glorify thy name. This is a most important prayer. A divided heart is a great curse. Scattered affections are a miserable plague. When the heart is not at unity with itself, the work of religion cannot go on. Indecision of mind and division of affections mar any work. The heart must be one, and the work may be one. If this be wanting, all is wrong. This is a prayer which becomes the mouth of every Christian. Indeed, and let us pray. Lord, thank you for your way. Thank you for instructing us in your truth. Help us to walk in it. Lord, thank you for giving us hearts that are to be united with one goal, one aim, which is to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. May that be the pursuit of our lives. Lord, when we are afflicted, when we are brought low by troubles and trials and anxieties and affectations that bring us to despair, Lord, would you help us to trust in you, to delight in you, to pray to you, to reorient our lives Godward. Lord, may you continue to show us your favor in the land of the living. May you continue to build us up and to help us to delight in you. May you gladden our souls as we trust you day by day, even in the days of trouble. Lord, help us to call out to you, knowing that you will answer us and that you will incline your ear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Called to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calledtowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.